0: that's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
1: A warm up for the low. Welcome to MLB Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, We've got a great podcast for you. Is in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Jason Radwitz. He does a great job day in and day out of being able to take a look at the MLB betting board. He does some work with Oddschecker along with SBR, aka Sportsbook Review Sports Picks. You're able to catch him on the game day MLB list. Goes on and on covers as well. He is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at the New York teams of what they need to do to get into the postseason, but mainly just going to be taking a look at the betting board for Wednesday and also just going to ask for his take on if he winds up handicapping September a little bit differently with all these September call-ups and everything like that, so going to have a great chat there. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday and a little something like to call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways, we help throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're about fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not mind getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Tuesday, so let's take a look back at it. Tried to find some trends at and- Try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
0: The games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
1: The American League wild Card picture just continues to get more and more wild as the Toronto Blue Jays are now two games back of the Boston Red Sox. For the Blue Jays, they wind up taking down the New York Yankees by a count of 5-1. to one. And for the Blue Jays, pair of home runs in this one from Alejandro Kirk. His sixth and seventh home runs of the season as Garrett Cole does not wind up making it out of the fourth inning in this one as he wound up leaving due to injury. He wound up leaving with three runs two of which were earned surrendered over the course of three and two-thirds innings. That is not good news for the New York Yankees. From there, Albert Abreu winds up giving up a solo home run in one and two-thirds innings. Julie Rodriguez is able to give you five outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless Andrew Heaney he's not coming out of the bullpen. He gave you a scoreless inning. They might need him to start again. And then you wind up having Clay Holmes give up a home run in an inning as Marcus Simeon. Also went deep in this one. His 38th home run season. That comes off of Mr. Abadayu. And for Steven Matz, gives up a one run over the course of six innings. He was great. And then Joaquin Soria, Tim Maza, Jordan Romano. All are able to give you scoreless innings for the New York Yankees. They go and hit one of four with men in scoring position. So that was not great there. But they did not wind up losing any ground on the Boston Red Sox because they got destroyed by the Tampa Bay Rays. Twelve to seven the final as Nelson Cruz has now hit thirty home runs so far this year. There was a four-inning increment in this game in which Nelson Cruz and Mike Zanino had combined for four home runs. For Zanino, his 28th and 29th of the seasons. For Cruz, 29th and 30th. Jordan Luplo would add one in off of Bragg Peacock for his 10th home run season. For Eduardo Rodriguez, a terrible start. Gives up six runs in three and two-thirds innings. Michael Feliz, he winds up giving up two of those home runs as well in two and a third innings. Peacock wound up giving up the home run to Luplo. He gave up four runs in three innings. and The Red Sox were able to make things a little bit closer as David S. did not to be doing a great job here. He gave up a trio of homers, Bobby Dollback, 19th and 20th home runs the season, and Danny Santana is 5th, but Drew Rasmussen, how about what he was able to do? He gives up one run over the course of 5 innings. He has now made 5 starts for this team and he has given up 0 or 1 runs in every one of them, going between 4 and 5 innings in every one of those starts. Hess was just out there to be able to fill innings. He gave up those 3 home runs, 6 runs in total over the course of 2 innings, and Lewis Head was able to give you 2 scoreless as well, but the Tampa Bay race, they just keep on rolling, and this is a Rays team that now has a 43-25 and 25 road record. That is by far the best out there in the American League. To put that into context, no other American League team has more than 38 road wins so far this year. Another team that has been able to get the job done on the road all year long is the Milwaukee Brewers. They are at home in this one, and the home cooking served them very well. 10-0, to 0, they wind up hammering the Philadelphia Phillies. After the Phillies hammered them by a kind of 12-0 on Monday, it was good to see for the Brewers as it was Aaron Supernola who was not so super in this one. Giving up three runs over the course of five innings. From there, you wind up having three runs in two outs. given up by Ramon Russo. Cam gives up two runs in one and a third innings. And Yaldi Los Santos gives up two runs in an inning. So all four pitchers for the Phillies gave up multiple runs. And for the Phillies, nothing doing on this night. As Eric Lauer, seven scoreless innings. Hunter Strickland... Miguel Sanchez from there are able to close things out. And obviously Garcia was able to get his 25th home run season off of Cam Bedrosian. So a very successful night there. Another team that wound up getting shut out, the Cleveland Indians. They were the Lusians, I guess you can call them this one, as they lose to the Minnesota Twins by a count of 3-0. to zero. John Gant gets four walks, three hits, and five innings, but all of them were scoreless. Jorge Alcala, Juan Minaya, Caleb Theobar, Alex Calme from there. Able to close things out, the Cleveland Indians got twelve base runners on and zero runs as Brent Rooker wound up coming up with a big hit in this one. He goes deep off of Alex Young, his seventh home run season for Aaron Savali, his first start in about two and a half months. He didn't look bad in this, but he gave up w- one run over the course of four and two thirds innings. From there, Trevor Steven gives you four outside the bullpen, scoreless. Young gives up that solo home run over the course of two thirds of an inning. Brian Shaw gives you four outside the bullpen. Blake Parker gives you in an inning, he winds up giving up a run in the process, but for the Indians. 11 men stranded on base. That was an issue. The Tigers and the Pirates weren't able to generate a lot of offense, but it was the Buccos who walked the plank to a 3-2 win. Willie Peralta, not necessarily a lot of length, but he avoided a lot of bullets. Gave up six hits, three walks, and just one run over the course of his four innings. From there, Miguel Del Pozo winds up giving a scoreless inning. He also gets scoreless innings out of Tyler Alexander and Jose Cicierno, but Alex Lang winds up taking the L as he gave up two runs in his inning. And for the Detroit Tigers, they go 2-10 of with men in scoring position for the Buccos. They were able to get a relatively solid start out of Dylan Peters, who wound up starting pretty much on short notice, giving up two runs over the course of four innings. From there, Shelby Miller lowers his ERA to a fourteen forty. He, Sam Auer, Chad Cool, David Benard, Chris Stradden, all able to give you score innings. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they went to a 13 with men in scoring position, but did just enough to be able to get the job done in this one. The Mets did more than just enough to be able to get the job done as they hammered the Miami Marlins by a kind of 9-4 for the Metropolitans. You wind up getting a pair of home runs from Pete Alonso, his thirty first and thirty second home runs of the season, and Carlos Carrasco wound up giving up all four runs for the Mets in five innings, but only one of them was earned. He was hurt by a trio of errors by Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, and Jonathan VR, but overcame them to be able to complete the five. Aaron Loop, Trevor May, and Miguel Castro, all are able to give you scoreless innings, and for the Miami Marlins, this was not what they were hoping for out of one Edward Cabrera. He winds up giving up four runs in two and a third innings, including one of those home runs. Zach Thompson comes in. He gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. I have no idea why they're trying him out there out of the bullpen. He's actually been a relatively solid starter, but then Paul Campbell gives up two. Two under runs hurt by a pair of Jazz and fielding errors. His twenty-first and twenty-second of the season. Joe Panic commits his eighth error of the season as well. Zach Pop gives up an under run in two-thirds of an inning. Sean Gunther two innings he gives up an under run and then you wind up having one inning from Taylor Williams and the run that he gave up was actually earned as that was a Pete Alonso home run and for the Miami Marlins they go two of thirteen with men in scoring position and a year their towel boy is on the injured list as well because it felt like Murphy's law wound up hitting them the. Theory of Murphy's Law wound up hitting the Kansas City Royals as well. 7-3. to They lost to the poopy Baltimore Orioles. As for the Royals, Jackson Gower. He cowered in fear in this one. He winds up giving up six runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of bombs going deep for the Baltimore Orioles off of him. DJ Turn It Up Stewart his 12th home run season, and then Austin Say's kid, his 16th home run season, and then Cedric Mullins later in the game will go deep off of Tyler Zuber for his 27th home run season. For Zuber, he gives up that solo home run over the course of an inning. Kyle Zimmer was able to give you a score of setting, and for one Carlos Santana, he was able to get his 19th home run season. That winds up coming off of Alexander Wells, who gives up two runs, including that homer over the course of four innings, and then you wind up having three and two-thirds innings from Mike Bauman out of the bullpen. He gives up an unearned run as he was served by... Fielding errors by Calvin Gutierrez along with Cedric Mullins, but he was able to get the win in this one. Dylan Tate gives you an out on the bullpen, and then you wind up having Mr. Tyler Wells give you a squirrel of saying to be able to get the job done for the Orioles. Speaking of being able to get the job done, that's what the Reds were able to do on the road against the Chicago Cubs as they continue to try to chase down the second wildcard spot 4-3 4-3 the final. Wade Miley was having a party out there in Chicago. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. That was a solo home run going deep for the Chicago Cubs off of him. That would be Wilson Gutierrez's 18th home run season and then a pair of solo home runs would be given up by Michael Lorenzen in the bullpen. Ian App, 20th home run season and by the way, his 11th ever since the beginning of the month of August and Rafael Ortega was able to get his 10th home run season as Lorenzen gives up those two solo home runs in his inning of work But Michael Givens. He was able to give you a save as he winds up pitching a scoreless ninth inning and for the Reds pair of home runs in this one for them as Nick Cassianos goes deep off of Adrian Sampson, his 27th home run season and Sampson served one up in the first inning to Jonathan India, leadoff home run 19th of the season for Sampson. All he gave up were those two home runs. So actually not bad over the course of five innings. From there, Trevor McGill gives you two scoreless innings. Dylan Maples along with Michael Rucker combined for a scoreless inning. And Manuel Rodriguez wound up giving up two runs in an inning to sink his ERA to about a 3-4. So that was honestly too terrific for the Cubs. This was not terrific for the Washington Nationals. They lose to the Atlanta Braves by a count of 8-4. to four. For the Nets, Paulo Espino continues to get shelled for this team. He gives up five runs over the course of five innings. So he has now given up at least three runs and now three out of his last five starts. And he wound up giving up a home run in the process going deep. For the Bravos, that would be Adam Duvall. 32nd home run season, then Ozzy Albies will go deep off of Ryan Harper. His 27th home run season for Harper. He winds up giving up that home run. Two runs in total and did not get it out. You wind up having a scoreless inning out of Alberto Belladono, and then you wind up having Andres Machado give you a scoreless inning before Sam Clay gives up a run in an inning himself. And for the Washington Nationals, 3 of 14 with men in scoring position, but Yadiel Hernandez was able to go deep off of Tyler Madzik. 8th home run season as for the Atlanta Braves, they got a pretty good start out of Bags free, giving up one run over the course of six innings, and for Tyler Madzik, entered into this game with a sub-2 ERA over the last 60 days. That is no longer the case, as he wound up giving up that home run. Four runs in total in two-thirds of an inning. Luke Jackson was able to give you four outside the pen, and Will Smith gets jiggy with it. He gets his 31st save of the season as he was able to deliver a scoreless inning. The L.A. Dodgers just continue to roll. By the way, for the L.A. Dodgers, this was their third over in their last 21 games. 7-2, they wind up taking down the St. Louis Cardinals. It was a... Full bullpen game for the L.A. Dodgers. Craig Knebel gives up a run in an inning. You wind up having Evan Phelps go one and two-thirds innings. He gives up a run. Alex Nassia gave you an out, out of the bullpen without giving up anything. And then all these guys gave you approximately one scoreless inning. Shane Green, Phil Bickford, Bursuita Gratterall, Joe Kelly, Blake Tryon, Ariana Grande, Neftali Folies. So, you were able to get a whole lot of something there, and you wind up getting a quadrant of home runs for this team. Will Smith gets shiggy with it. 23rd home run season. That comes off of Alex Reyes, who is now pitching, apparently, in the 8th inning, by the way, which I find to be hilarious. Justin Turner down for what winds up getting his 22nd and 23rd home runs in of season off of Mr. J Happ, along with Kwon Young Kim at Albert Pools. Gets his 17th home run season. That comes off of Happ, who looked pretty hapless in this one. Gives up a pair of homers, Four runs in total over the course of five innings. Alex Reyes comes in in the sixth inning and allows that home run. Needless to say, the former closer, not necessarily looking like that. Cody Woodley gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Daniel Ponce Leon, a scoreless inning. But then Kwon Young Kim, we haven't seen him in the eighth and ninth inning too much this year. He gives up two runs in one and a third innings as well. So the St. Louis Cardinals starting to dip back when it comes to that playoff chase as they are now 5-11 in their last 16 home games. The Seattle Mariners have always had a little bit of a bugaboo whenever they played against the Houston Astros and that wound up continuing on Tuesday as well. 5-4, the Astros get the job done in 10 innings for the Mariners. Logan Gilbert did not lend the length that they were looking for. 4 and a third innings, giving up two runs in the process and a home run to Jose Altuve. His 26th home run season, Alex Bregman will go deep off of Paul Sewald for his 8th home run season to be able to force extra innings as the Mariners wind up plating a run in the ninth inning to put themselves up by two, but the Astros were able to get that home run off of Bregman to be able to force extra innings at Seawalt. He gives up two runs in his inning, and then Yoan Ramirez, he winds up allowing the unearned run in the tenth inning that costs the team the game. Diego Castillo drew second rider, Casey Sadler. I'll give you a scoreless saying and Anthony Bachevich, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and for Kyle Seeger, he was able to go deep in this one off of Yimi Garcia. 34th Home run of the season as the Mariners are now three games back in that wild card chase. And for the Astros, they do wind up having code Odorizzi give up two runs over the course of five innings. Emi Garcia gives up that home run to Seager in his inning of work. Phil Maton, Kendall Graveman, Ryan sanek I'll give you a scoreless inning. And Ryan Presley winds up giving up a run and an inning. So the Mariners wind up hurting their playoff hopes. The San Francisco Giants, they continue to stay on top of both Major League Baseball with regards to the best record and the NL West. 12-3. They wind up taking it to the Colorado Rockies. Logan Webb gave up more than two runs for the first time in 15 starts. Getting is, he winds up giving up three runs in seven innings. Still a very solid start. And then you wind up having two scoreless innings out of Kervin Castro as Logan Webb, in his last 15 starts, the team is out 14-1 and one in them. And for the San Francisco Giants, just one home run needed. Mikey Ustramski, 22nd home run season as the team winds up going 7 of 16 with men in scoring position. One Chichi Gonzalez winds up giving up 5 runs and he got 4 outs. That is not what you're hoping for out of your starter. Ashton Godu winds up giving up 2 runs in 3 and a 3rd innings. Robert Stevenson gives up a run in 1 and a 3rd innings. Junior Fernandez winds up giving up three runs, including that homer in his inning. You wind up having Daniel Bard give up a run in an inning. And then you wind up having a squirrel sending out of Jordan Sheffield. So it was not a great night for a Colorado Rockies team that they have now dropped three straight games at home for the first time since their first series of the season against the L.A. Dodgers. They've actually been very good at home so far this season. And speaking of L.A. teams, it's not very often that you see a team led by... A guy like Becky Naughton be able to leave a shut up, but the San Diego Padres wound up getting shut out by the LA Angels by a count of 4 to 0 as Mr. Naughton. Five scoreless ascendings, he winds up giving up two hits in the process. From there, Jimmy Hair Goat was able to give you two scoreless settings. Steve Ciszek and Rossi Iglesias. able will close out the game and for Blake Snell, he's just a tough luck loser in this one. He winds up going seven innings and he had a little bit of a perfect game bid going on earlier in this game. He winds up giving up two runs in the process. Punches out 11. Tim Hill and Craig Salmon combined for a squirrel setting and then Emilio Pagan. He gets taken up a gun as he has not been good recently. Luis Rengifo was able to get his third home run season and then Nabel Chrisman was able to give you an out at the bullpen, and for Emilio Pagan, his ERA since the beginning of the month of September, north of nine, and he's been giving up quite a few homers recently, so, that is not good, what else is not good? Dressing in either the Texas Rangers or the Arizona Diamondbacks, but someone had to win this one and the Rangers have now won three straight road games for I believe the first time all season. Three to one the final as they were able to plate a trio of runs in the fourth inning and that wound up being the difference. Zach Allen gave up all three of those going six and two thirds innings in the process. Caleb Smith was able to give you one and a third inning scoreless. No Ramirez, a scoreless setting of his on and for the Texas Rangers. Spencer Howard, pretty much an opener in this one. Two scoreless settings and then Jordan Lyles winds up going seven innings, giving up one run in the process. It's hilarious how they're using Spencer Howard because he's been a failure of a starter. But, hey, Jordan Lyles, give him a little bit of credit. He has given up north of 30 home runs so far this year, so good to see him be able to get a good start. And if you were the White Sox, you got a little bit of something out of Jimmy Lambert as they wind up getting the job done by a count of 6-3 for Lambert. Five innings, gives up one run. By far the best start of his MLB career. He entered into this one with a career ERA that was hovering on the neighborhood of about seven. That was a very good one for him. And then from there, Garrett Crochet, Ryan Tepera, both able to give you scoreless innings. Ryan Berg gives up two runs in a third of an inning, but Craig Kimbrell comes in, gets the final outs of the eighth inning, and Liam Hendricks gets his 33rd save of the season with a scoreless ninth. And for the White Sox, 5 of 14 with men in scoring position. They do leave 13 men on base, but they did a good job of being able to put the ace under dress all night long as James Caprillian only gives up one run over the course of four innings. He's got a sub-2.5 ERA at home, but wasn't able to lend a lot of length, so that meant that A.J. Puck had to come in. Third of an inning for him, gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Dalton Jeffries, in super long relief, three and a third innings, gives up two runs. Jake Deekman gives you an out on the bullpen, and Deolis Carrera was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Oakland a's, not a lot doing in this game from an offensive standpoint. And if you're taking a look at betting overs recently, it hasn't been a whole lot doing for you either. As over the last three days, we have seen quite a few unders be coming through in these games. 199 unders, 175 oversides, so a 53.2% clip to the under. Favorites in this time span hitting 62.4% of the time, 244 and 147 home teams. 201 and 195. So we haven't been seeing home teams necessarily be doing great recently in over the last seven days. That's actually sub 500. Home teams are 46 and 47. Favorites in this time span have been drying up a little bit as well. 51 and 39, perhaps a little bit of complacency for a few of these teams. And we've seen a couple more overs recently. 46 overs and 44 unders over the last seven days. But season to date, we have been seeing a little bit of an edge to the under. 995 unders, 976 overs. That is a 50.5% flip to the under favorites overall this season 1,222 and 824 so hitting at a rate of 59.7 percent and home teams winning 54.3 percent of the time 1,123 and 944 so that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Tuesday and that's what we're seeing just with regards to all the trends of baseball now let's take a look at Wednesday's card let's take a look at the New York team's And to do that, we are joined by Jason Redowitz of SPR, Covers.com, The Game Day MLB, and so many others. He will be breaking down the card for Wednesday on the other side with me right here on the Baseball Hitting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network
1: Hotline. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this guest as he does a very wide variety of things. You're able to catch him Monday through Friday breaking down the baseball card on SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, their network on YouTube, what have you. That is typically during the afternoons for that show. He is doing work over there at the Game Day M O B Odds Checker, covers when it comes to more college football and betting pros NFL as well. So, This is a man that is doing a very wide variety of things, and to be able to follow this very busy man on Twitter, that is at Jason underscore It's just his first and last name, and that last name is spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z, and Jason, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Doing a ton of work everywhere now that football is back, so baseball, there's football, and then obviously, of course, college basketball will be here sooner than later, so Lots of good stuff coming up. That's why it's so great to just be in the business of sports because it just never stops. There's no breaks, but you also know that you'll get paid, you know, every single week, and that's always the best part of any kind of job.
1: Yep, the grinders in this industry, it seems like more often than not, are the ones that wind up getting rewarded. And Jason, a man that covers a little bit of everything, certainly is a man that has been rewarded in recent years. And Jason, when you take a look at teams, they're trying to be rewarded. It has been a bumpy ride for the New York Yankees. They're currently in the midst of a series with the Toronto Blue Jays. And ever since they wound up going on that 13-game win streak, it has not gone well for them. Going into Tuesday, they had been losers of six out of their last eight. So things aren't necessarily going well for them. They're going to be looking to Lewis Eels to be able to get the start for them against Alec Manoa on Wednesday. So a pair of rookies are going to be going at it. And how do you evaluate this Yankees team? both on Wednesday and just in general, because it just feels like every time we sour her on the Yankees, they wind up going on a win streak. And every single time we start having those expectations once again for the New York Yankees, they let us down. It just feels like, Whatever we want them to do, or whatever we think they are going to do, they do the absolute opposite.
2: Yeah, you know, I was kind of surprised that Gil wasn't up sooner. Obviously, we saw Andrew Heaney and the things that he's done for the Yankees. It just made more sense to have Gil up, and he looked really great when he was up in the majors. So that could, you know, add a little bit of a spark here for the Yankees. Great pitcher. I mean, from what we've seen so far, which is a small sample size, but he looks good. I think he's obviously the better pitcher than Andrew Heaney, for example. So I think that's great to have him on board and pitching for the team so that could potentially give them a little bit of a boost there but yeah like you said the Yankees they're hot and cold all season long but you know obviously at the end of the day the Yankees always find a way to make the playoffs while they haven't won you know World Series in quite some time they do always make the playoffs they make some really good moves at the deadline and find a way and I guess this season will be no different. Yeah
1: this season has certainly been one of ups and downs for the New York Yankees to say the least and then I know you're a bit of a New York Mets fan and To say that this has been a year of ups and downs for the New York Mets would be putting it very generously. Right now, they're having a series with the Miami Marlins, who are typically really pesky when out there, whenever they are out there in Miami, because as we both know, it is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. It's going to be Rich Hill taking the bump for the Mets against Sandy Alcantara, and I do think that this is a little bit of a tricky game, because I feel like so many people when they see the Miami Marlins, they see the record, and they think, oh, this is just an absolutely terrible team, but... We both know this, when it comes to the actual run differential of the Miami Marlins and the way that they've been playing teams, they probably deserve a few more wins than their record would indicate. Right now, as they wound up going into Tuesday evening's game, 57-80, and but a negative 33 run differential. And if you take a look at the Seattle Mariners who find themselves in playoff contention, they've got a negative 55 run differential and a team that has a significantly better record in the Angels have a negative 68 run differential. So this is a Miami Marlins team that... They've been able to hang in games. They just haven't necessarily been able to pull them out late. So I do think that this is an intriguing spot for a Mets team that lo and behold, going into Tuesday night, we're only four games back of the Braves in the NL and the NL East.
2: Yeah, you know, the Marlins, they're starting rotation by next year when Sixto Sanchez comes back. And let's see if you know Edward Cabrera does anything in the major league club, you know, before the season ends. But this rotation is really good from Al Contreras to Pablo Lopez to Sixto Sanchez and of course Rodgers and potentially Cabrera. I mean, that's one of the top rotations in all baseball. When they're gonna be healthy, maybe next year that's when you'll get to see all five of those guys in the rotation. But that's a great rotation for the Marlins. And of course, Aguilar, one of the top guys when it comes to RBIs. They did get rid of Duval, who also was kind of up there in RBIs. Now he's a brave. But I just thought that Aguilar actually just got scratched from Tuesday's game. So let's see if his injury is. That would be a huge blow for the Marlins. Obviously they're Fantastic pitching team. They've been great starting pitching throughout the entire season, but sometimes the offense lags a little bit without Aguilar. But, you know, the Marlins are an interesting team moving forward. On to the Mets, though. The Mets, of course, are still in the race, right? So I'm still rooting for it, still hoping that they find a way to get into the playoffs. And just read that Jacob DeGrom is starting to ramp up some things and could come back, have a UCLA tear, but apparently now it's all healed and great and ready to go. So not sure what they're going to do there with DeGrom, but he'll be a huge boost to the Mets if he's able to come back to the rotation that's really struggled really in the second half of the season, especially since Tywin Walker made the All-Star game. He struggled and they've gotten contributions out of like Hill and McGill. But at the end of the day, the Mets could really use DeGrom. The hitting starting to kind of improve a little bit now. They're starting to reach some double-digit wins here when it comes to run. So we'll see if they can do that against, you know, bigger and better competition. Obviously, the Nationals and the Marlins are not bigger and better competition. So, yeah, like you said, up and downs for the Mets, up and downs for the Yankees. But, you know, who knows? Maybe both teams will find a way to make the playoffs.
1: I feel safe in saying I think any team, if they won, of losing Jacob deGrom, would be in a little bit of a struggle. The Mets, no different. And I'm so glad that you point out A.C. Sagiar because he has been just so good for the Miami Marlins all season long. 93 RBI going into Tuesday. You mentioned that he's a scratch. Next highest player with regards to RBI in the Miami Marlins, 44. So there is a big drop off there. As we do have Jason Radowitz, does a great job with SBR AK Sportsbook Review covers, list goes on and on. Man is a terrific handicapper, and he is joining me on the podcast. And something that I think is really interesting to these last couple of weeks of the regular season when it comes to major league baseball is the September call-ups. We really should not see any position players. Pitch anymore. We know that the Milwaukee Brewers unfortunately did wind up having one pitch on Monday. When you've got north of 10 men in the bullpen, I think that that is absolutely inexcusable. That is just me. But when you take a look at September baseball, do you look at it a little bit differently than you would normally? Because we are going to be seeing some guys making like their first, second, third career starts. We wound up seeing it with a man that you mentioned a minute ago, Edward Cabrera of the Miami Marlins We saw other guys like Jackson Keller and Company make their starts on Tuesday. Do you wind up looking at Major League Baseball a little bit differently with these September call ups, or is it relatively standard business for you?
2: Yeah, you know, for me, really since maybe about mid June, I've been just kind of fading bad teams with really good teams and taking their team total. Uh, obviously, things have to fall in play where the pitcher has been awful in terms of you know analytics, and the lineup you know looks you know solid in terms of analytics. But for the most part, I'm really worried about really good teams going up against really bad teams. So I haven't really been betting the teams that aren't making the playoffs. I'm going after the team are fighting for a playoff chance or, you know, trying to get a division title, all of those things. So for me, I don't think it'll affect me a lot. Now I will say, you know, if you're not having a positional player and you're going to be, you know, putting in an actual pitcher... Well then you might not want to go and you know bet a you know team to score live on the over of like thirteen runs. But for me, what I've been doing is I'm more of a first five guy. I go first five team totals. So it's really just a fade of oh, the starting pitcher. I'm not worried about the relief pitching. And when I do that, I find I kind of have more control of what's going to happen in the game because I know if I'm taking that team total over against the starting pitcher, then they're gonna be out of the game and they're gonna allow those runs. Or they're going to go five innings and I'm going to lose my bet because they pitched well, but I'm not leaving it up to the bullpen. And for me, that has helped tremendously in terms of my handicapping and you know my record. I just wish you know more horse books and different apps and sites included first fives on the team total, like some of the other books, like DraftKings, for example, points bet, win bet. But there are a lot of sites that don't include it. I just wish more included it so that more people can tell me.
1: It certainly has been interesting to look at just more of the East Coast books having more offerings than some of the books out here on the West Coast here your point. It certainly has been fascinating to see that hopefully some of these books out here in Las Vegas are going to start catching up a little bit more because it has been a case in which East Coast books have been doing a great job of offering a little bit more when it comes to like a first five team total. You typically can't find that out here in Las Vegas. So I do think that that's an interesting point that you do bring up. And something else I do need to bring up is that we've got just a very wide board that is going to be going down for Major League Baseball on Wednesday. We've got all the teams in action and when it comes to everything that we've got, we've got a couple teams that currently their games are off the board, but I take a look at this Rays versus Red Sox series and I do think that this is a marquee one of the night with the Oakland A's and Chicago White Sox obviously being a pretty critical series as well, but Anthony Avaldi going for the Boston Red Sox, Shane McClannan going for the Rays and we're finding this relatively at a pick Right now at DraftKings, it is minus 110 both ways. Every single book that has this game up has it as an absolute pick with a total of 9.5, so pretty much as generic of a game as it gets. And I think that this is going to be really critical if you have futures on, say, the Boston Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, what have you, because the way I see it right now, I think the Rays are the best team in the American League. I don't know if they necessarily have more talent than the Houston Azures, but the way that they've been executing I really like the way that they're playing and for the Boston Red Sox with them dealing with COVID-19 with just the way that they've been playing in general the last month or so it's really been a rocky ride for them so I do think that this is a critical game for both teams.
2: Yeah I agree this is really going to be fun in terms of the, uh, the Rays and Red Sox series and this is another thing where like the other day we saw a ton of runs and a huge comeback from the Rays and the Red Sox kind of just looked lousy but then Tuesday I'm thinking the Red Sox are going to come out strong and potentially win that one. And then there's so much to like in this series, and I still think the Red Sox have what it takes to get the job done, make the playoffs, and be another team in the AL wild card with the Yankees. But yeah, you know, to your point, you have all the both have DRAs around three point seven, and it makes a lot of sense that the games to pick them. The Red Sox obviously have had. A little bit of a COVID scare, but they did pick up Jose Iglesias. That'll help, especially in the middle infield right? without Bogarts for now. There's some good for the Red Sox right now. And, you know, both offenses have hit, you know, really, really well against lefties and righties. Recently, it's been really the Red Sox pitching that's kind of been a little bit of a disaster recently. But, you know, who knows? You know, this is a great series. I think both teams have a chance to find a way into the postseason. Obviously, the Rays should be just fine. But I think the Red Sox will get there too.
1: I think so as well. I do think that... When it comes to the Red Sox, they are going to be able to find a way to the postseason, but I really think that that's just because the Toronto Blue Jays have not been able to pull out close games, and when it comes to the Seattle Mariners, they just feel like that roach that won't die, but I have no idea how they've stayed in the postseason race. I mentioned it to you a little bit earlier. A north of negative 60 run differential, nearly double the amount of runs negative as the Miami Marlins, and here they are in the postseason race, which I still think is really wild to think about, but... Certainly has been something very fascinating there, as we do have Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast. And Jason, we've been on a couple of games that are going to be going on for Wednesday. I've asked you for your thoughts on some of the younger guys getting called up with the rosters being expanded for September. Is there a game or two in particular that you might be looking for on Wednesday, whether it be from a betting standpoint or you just want to kick back and watch because it might have some playoff implications, what have you? Yeah,
2: there's plenty of great games. And you know we haven't mentioned the Athletics or another team. Obviously that will be fighting for that wild card spot against the Red Sox and they'll go up against the White Sox in a huge series there. The White Sox probably have the AL Central all locked up, but the Athletics they're fighting with the Ashers right now for their division. I think the Ashers will get that. I think you and I both agree with it there. So the Athletics, they struggled, you know, within the last month or so. They really have to start some racking up some wins. They have seventy-four right now. but they can go out and beat the White Sox for this series That would be huge. So, yeah, the White Sox A's game, that's going to be lots of fun. Frankie Montas, definitely a better pitcher than Dallas Keuchel, will be on the mound for the White Sox. So, I think the A's can get the job done there. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. But with that game and Montas and Keuchel, I'm really interested to see how the Athletics perform there.
1: Yeah, the Oakland A's have certainly been a fascinating team all year long. It's another one of those teams that whenever I bring on handicappers, they always seem to be the toughest team to really gauge because it feels like every single time we have high expectations for the Oakland A's, they seem to lay a big, giant clunker. And every time we expect nothing out of the Oakland A's, they just exceed all expectations. It's just the way that that always works. But at the very least, we always know what we're going to get out of Jason It's because, Jason, you do an amazing job. I know that now you're following all forms of football, whether that be the NFL, whether that be the college, whether that be college football. I don't think you do any Canadian football, but I would not be surprised if you wind up diving in there because you're a man that you do a little bit of everything. You do a great job day in and day out looking at the MLB board. I know you're going to be doing college basketball in a few months as well. list goes on and on. So let the good people at home know what you've got going on right now and how people are able to get all of your work on social media and other platforms.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. All my work is usually posted there, whether it's article form or you know, just a tweet uh, for my best bet. Of course, I did college football for week one. I just gave out one play, wasn't feeling too confident in the first week, didn't want to give out hundreds and hundreds of plays, but I did go 1-0 in college football, so that was a great way to start that up in the MLB starting from like June 17th when I just went one play a day and sometimes just didn't make a play. That's when I started really kind of get hot, and now I'm about 71% in MLB since like June 17th. Of course, now we're September 7th. So doing really well in the MLB, college football. And then of course, I'll be giving out some NFL picks shortly. Also doing a little Survivor Pool article pick every single week for the game day. So look out for those articles. Those are going to be lots awesome of fun where I take in account all these different computer models, put them all together, figure out the win percentage, and the win probability for each team in their given week and given game. So and you can see kind of what team has the highest probability between all the computer models to make your survivor pick so that you can win your pool there. So that's kind of one of the major things that I'm working on right now. But yeah, we do an NFL, college football, MLB. I can just talk for days about what I'm doing. Lots of fun. But yeah, follow me on Twitter, look at all my articles, read all my work, and you'll be profitable when you're done.
1: And Jason does an absolutely terrific job looking at a wide variety of different things. He is always so gracious with his time on this podcast as well. So I really do appreciate whenever I'm able to get his insights. And it is always great to be able to talk some baseball. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. to give you sign total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something you like to call, touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
1: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to get on. Jason Radowitz does a great job over there with Sportsbook Review, doing a great job being able to follow all forms of football and has always brought it on this podcast. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time the podcast is coming up next. They give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday and a little something like call touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to
1: touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind that we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. That's where we go National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom, so we are going to have some fun with this one, and if there are changes made, and we do have a couple to be determined pitchers, those are going to be listed up on the spreadsheet as well as we do start with that first actually game 901 902 on the betting board the San Francisco Giants are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies 55 shades of John Gray is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies Anthony D Scalfani is going to be on the bump for the Giants and we currently have no numbers up on this game because literally as I began to read off this game John Gray wound up popping up on the board but Fortunately, I was planning on numbers as if it was going to be Mr. 55 Shades of John Gray going for the Colorado Rockies, and... I've got the Rockies as a plus 152 underdog. When you take a look at this bunch, they certainly have been able to do a great job all season long when it comes to their home record versus their road record. But you also take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and they've been the second best road team in all of baseball this season as well. Now, what I do think is very fascinating when it comes to this matchup is just what we're going to be able to get in general out of some of these bullpens. Because with the Colorado Rockies, this is a bunch in which they have been relying upon some less trustworthy guys, but they pitch better at home than they have on the road. Daniel Bart has been able to give you right around 3 ERA. Meanwhile, his road ERA is more like a 10. Yulish seen Tyler Kinley. These guys are not necessarily great, but they've been a little bit more or less of innings eaters. And then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and this is a bunch of they're in the top 3 in the big leagues when it comes to bullpen ERA, both in the last 30 days and overall. Jarlon Garcia has been a very good find for this team. They've got Camilo Duvall back along Caleb Barger. Both of these guys have been relatively solid for this bunch. You've been able to have Tyler Rogers come in and give you good innings, but then when you take a look at the starters in this one for Anthony D. Scalfani, if you take out his starts against the LA Dodgers, he's got a sub-2 ERA, and he's really been able to do a lockdown job on the road all season long. A 301 road ERA compared to a 360 at home. He has given up 15 home runs at 86 and two-thirds innings on the road compared to three at home, but opponents are just at 213 off of him. He's been able to do a solid job of be able to limit the walks as well. And then we take a look at John Gray. It certainly has been a case in which we haven't seen him in a little bit. Wound up spending a little bit of time out of the fold. His last start wound up coming about a week and a half ish ago on the 28th of August, but he has been able to get the job done relatively well whenever he's been out there at Coors Field. A 3.67 home ERA, a 4.68 road ERA. He has given up nine home runs at 68 and two-thirds innings, but opponents are a just 94 off of him, but you have to keep in mind, this is a San Francisco Giants team that they lead the majors when it comes to home runs on the road. You Just take a look at their starting lineup from yesterday." Buster Posey, Lamonte Wade, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, along with Mikey Stromsky, all been able to give you between 17 and 21 home runs. Then you factor in their Chris Bryant, he's got north of 21 home runs so far this year. Darren Ruff has been able to give you 15 bombs. He's got a 400 base, and you take a look at some of these guys as well. They don't necessarily have eye-popping batting averages, like a Brandon Belt is sitting at 240. Lamonte Wade, more like at 250. You have been without Donovan Solano for a little bit, but you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Evan Longoria since he's coming off the injured list. He and Brandon Crawford, both hitting a 290 Buster Posey as north of a 4-iron base. And then with the Colorado Rockies, best batting average in the big leagues when it comes to just solely at home. You've got so many guys that they have struggled on the road. Meanwhile, at home, they've been terrific. CJ Krohn has 26 home runs so far this year. 18 of them have come at Coors Field. Charlie Blackman, he's got 13 home runs so far this year at Coors Field. He has been able to pound out, I believe, 11 of them. So, that is a big giant split right there. You've got a guy like a Trevor Story, who's sitting right around the Mendoza line on the road at home. That's more like a 300. So, you certainly do have to be factoring in these splits, but I do think that Anthony D. Scalfani is going to be able to turn a good start. This is a spot in which I'm going to be setting a 10.5 or lower to the over, 11 or higher to the under, because, well, it is Coors Field and the Rockies have been able to do a Good job of being able to pound out offense at home. And the Giants have been able to pound out offense on the road. And they seem to be one of the best teams at being able to tame the Rockies year in and year out when it comes to Coors Field as well. So that's where I'm looking on this one. And like I said, with the Giants, looking to make them right around about a minus 152 favorite. On the run line, I'd be willing to lay probably around a minus 105 to a minus 110-ish. 903, 904 on the banging board. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing against the New York Metropolitans. Rich Hill is going to be going for the Mets. Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Marlins are finding themselves as underdogs. Anywhere team plus 110 and plus 113. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Mets, anywhere between minus 119 and minus minus one thirty-seven half is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the over, you are going to be finding this anywhere between even money and minus 105. And we were talking about this game a little bit with Jason Radowitz. And I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a tricky spot here for the New York Mets. I want to making them a very, very slight favorite in this spot of my minus 103, so anything above a plus 103, I was willing to take a shot here on the fish, so it does look like I'm going to be getting some fish into my betting diet, and the big reason why is because this is a Miami Marlins team that just like pretty much all the teams out there in the National League East, other than the Atlanta Braves, they have been much better at home than they have been on the road. Now, Hacy Saguiar perhaps being out the fold in this one, that is big because as I was mentioning a little bit earlier, 22 home runs, north of 93 RBI. You don't have anyone with more than 45 RBI for the Miami Marlins, but getting to Mr. Alcantara, you deserves better than his 8-13 record. 336 ERA overall this year, and he's been significantly better at home. 234 home ERA, 434 road ERA. He's given up six home runs at 84 and two-thirds innings at home, and opponents are a buck ninety six off of him. This is a Miami Marlins team that, in general, just always better at home because it's a very pitcher friendly ballpark. Then you take a look at Rich Hill, and he's been able to put together some very good starts for the New York Mets after things were a little bit shaky at the start for him. He has now given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last seven starts, so he certainly has been able to do the job. Last time he won facing off against the Miami Marlins, gave up one under run over the course of five innings, so he certainly has been able to hold it down, has only given up a home run in one out of his last six starts. Now, in that start, he wound up giving up three home runs to the LA Dodgers, but by and large, he's been able to keep the hard contact down, and this is a pair of teams that have good bullpens. Richard Blyer has been able to give you some good innings for the Miami Marlins. Anthony Bender is coming with a sub-3 ERA. Stephen O'Kirt, he's got a sub-2 ERA going into Tuesday, so I do like that, and you've got Zach Thompson, who is now coming out of the bullpen for the seam as well. Meanwhile, for the Mets, Aaron Lupe has been absolutely amazing for this team with a sub-2 ERA. They're kicking the tires on bright hand. I think that he'll be able to give them a little bit of something. Miguel Castro, along Trevor May, haven't necessarily been great, but they've been functional for this team. And then you take a look at Seth Lugo and the way that he's pitched ever since the beginning of the month of August, and it's been relatively solid just barely above a 2 ERA. You take a look at both of these lineups, and they aren't necessarily measures to say the least. You've got two guys on the Mets that have north of 25 home runs. That would be Javi Baez along Pete Alonso. Both of these guys certainly have been able to get the job done And with both of these guys along Jonathan VR, In between about a 252 to a 270. You've got Jeff McNeil is able it right around 245. James McCann has been in and out of the fold, in about a 240 this year. But you need more out of Francisco Lindor along Kevin Pillar and Michael Conforto. All in between a 220 to a 230. These guys, by and large, do a good job would be a reach base, but certainly you could use just a little bit more there. And then you take a look at the Miami Marlins, then you've got Asu Sanchez, Lewis Brinson, Jorge Alfaro, owing between about a 230 to a 240. Joe Panic, ever since he came over from the Toronto Blue Jays, has been terrible. And if you wind up having Jesus Aguirre on the fold, Jazz Shizlum is the only guy with a double-digit amount of homers that is currently on the active roster for the team. He's hitting about a 255. You got Miguel Rojas hitting about a 275, but I will say Brian De La Cruz, is hitting a 340 has really been a nice find for this Miami Marlins team. So, even without Asus Aguiar in the fold, I would be taking a look at the Miami Marlins at a little bit of a plus price. I did wind up saying this low at 7.7 as well. I just think that this is a little bit too low of a total. We did wind up seeing both starters get touched up a little bit yesterday to wear on those bullpens a little bit as well. So, taking the over and I'm going to be taking the fish. 905-906 on the betting board. You've got the Washington Nationals sitting the road face off against the Atlanta Braves. I was seeing a little bit earlier Tuki Toussaint as a potential starter for the Atlanta Braves, but As of right now, this is to be determined. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, Sean Nolan is going to be going for them. We've got no numbers up on this game, but if it would be Mr. Toussaint versus Nolan, I'd be saying the Braves at minus 177 and a total of 10.2, so a 10 or lower. I'd be taking a look at the over 10 for higher. I would be taking a look at the under if that winds up being the case with Toussaint. He certainly has been all over the place. Last year he wound up having right around 6 blocks per 9 innings and he's been able that so far this year but they've just used him in a wide variety of ways. They've used him out of the bullpen, they've used him in a couple starts. And his first couple starts wound up going great and then he wound up getting Touched up big time. And then you take a look at Sean Nolan, and this is going to be his fifth start. And he has been getting progressively better. Gave up four runs in his first start, three runs in his second start. Last two starts, he has given up approximately two runs. Now, he does get taken deep. Four home runs 15 in 15 and third innings. Also, just four walks in that time span as well. A little bit of an older guy, 31 years old. So, very well-traveled gentleman. And then you take a look at this Washington Nationals lineup, and it has been the one Soto of show for this team. Hitting right around 300, 445 on base. He and Josh Bell, both between 23 and 25 home runs so far this year in Carter Kibum, He's providing about a 250. We've had Yadier Hernandez do a solid job for this bunch. He's hitting about a 275, and I've got to give it up to Lane Thomas. He was absolutely terrible earlier this year when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, but Coming to the Washington Nationals, he's hitting about a 333 with them. So, he has been able to do a little bit of something for this punch on these Escobar. He's hitting a 285. So, the, the Washington Nationals offense has actually been there. You take a look at the Atlanta Braves, and this is an offense that is certainly there. Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall, Ozzy Albies. You're able to throw in there. Dansby Swanson and Ode Solaire. All these guys, at least 24 home runs for Solaire. He wound up entering into the month of July with 7 home runs. He's had like 15 ever since then. Looks like he's got 22 overall for the year but certainly has been able to do the job for the team. Jarvis no has been in and out of the fold, but having him back because he is a good defensive catcher is certainly solid for the team. Riley and Freddie Freeman, both have north of 8.375 on base. So this is a fearsome lineup for the Atlanta Braves. The bullpen isn't as quite as good as it was last year, but you can tell that it's running in a form. You haven't been able to get a whole lot of anything out of some of these guys like a Josh Shamlin, who's not even on the roster at this point, but A.J. Minter is someone that's coming off the injured list. Tyler Madzik, ever since the beginning of the month of July, has been dealing. For this bunch, he's got an ERA ever since then of right around like a buck fifty, so he has been solid. Luke Jackson has been able to give you some good innings. And then with the Washington Nationals, Kyle Finnegan has been very good for the scene, but they just use him on a night in and a night out basis, and you don't have a lot outside of him. Ryan Harper has been able to give you a little bit of something. Andres Machado has had his ups and downs, but Wander, I swear, this guy sucks. Well, he sucks. He's got a six eighty seven ERA, so that is a big reason why I'm setting this game right now with the Atlanta Braves being right around a minus one seventy five ish favorite, and like I was mentioning. A little bit earlier. A 10 or lower, I'm going to be taking a look at the over 10 and a half or I'm going to be taking a look at the under. We move on to 907, 908 on the bank board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're under the road. Face off against the Chicago Cubs. Alec Mills is going to be going for the Cubs. Vladimir Gutierrez is going to be on the bump for the Reds. Currently, you have no total up on this game. It is a Wrigley Field game, so most bookmakers like to wait to post a total until the AM based on the win situation. But if you like the Reds, anywhere between minus 129 and minus 140 on the money line, and if you're looking looking at the Cubs between plus 119 and plus 125. I'm seeing winds blowing in. So I do wind up setting this total at a 7.7. So a 7.5 or lower, I'm going to be taking a the over. Eight or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And for Vladimir Gutierrez, he has been able to do a very solid job for the Cincinnati Reds so far this year. And I've got to give it up to Alec Mills as well. Mills in a bullpen setting has not been good to say the least, but whenever he's been a starter, he's got multiple points lower on his ERA, so he has been a little bit better in this setting, and Alec Mills has also been able to do his best work at Wrigley Field so far this year. A 420 home ERA, 4-2 record across 7 starts, 14 total appearances, has given up 7 home runs over the course of 45 innings, and opponents are hitting a 296 off of him, but also his walks per night and home is a 1.2, so pretty microscopic, and then you take a look at Mr. Gutierrez, and things have went a little bit sour for him. The team has lost three out of his last four starts, and in his last two starts, he went three innings and three and a third innings, giving up a combined nine runs, so things really wound up souring a little bit on him there, but you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road so far this year. 358 road ERA, 491 home ERA, 6-2 record in his decisions across ten starts on the road to six home runs, given up in 55 and a third innings, and opponents are going to 230 off of him. That is rock solid, and it is needed because the Reds' bullpen, it is a little bit better than it was at the beginning of the year with Michael Lorenzen coming back, Luis Sessa, and Michael Givens being trade deadline acquisition but there certainly are question marks with guys like Brad Brock and company. But you do take a look at this Reds team and you have been able to get a whole heck of a lot of offense out of this bunch all season long. They are still without Jesse Winker, but it has been very good to see Tyler Stevenson and Tucker Barnard both hitting right around a to 285 at the catcher's spot. Taylor Naquin, ever since the beginning of the month of August, he is hitting right around a you You've got Naquin along Jonathan India, Joey Vato bar I was mentioning a little bit earlier, owing between about a 265 to a 275. Joey Votto leads the National League with regards to home runs ever since the All-Star break. Nick Cassianos, he's hitting a 325. He's gone deep 27 times. Mike Boussakis, it looks like, is returning to the fold as well. And for the Cubs, you have discovered a couple guys at the top of the fold doing a good job of being a reach base for you. Rafael Ortega hitting just below a 300, And then you've got a 343 batting average with Frank Schwindel, who has went deep six times in the team's last game. So, gotta give it up for him. Patrick Wisdom, he's going deep every 11 or so at bats now. Batting average ever since the beginning of the month of August is hovering right around 215, but he certainly has been able to supply the boom at Duffy's hitting at 265. Now you do have Jason Award, Ian App, David Bodie, Sergio Alcantara, both of the row mines, they're all hitting a 220 or lower. But I will say this for Ian App, he has been able to heat up ever since the beginning of the month of August. I believe he's at nine home runs, might be ten. So he has been able to provide a tad bit of something. But this is also a comes bullpen that Manuel Rodriguez has been able to give you a little bit of something. Adam Morgan's ERA is hovering right around a three-three. So got a couple guys doing an okay job. Scott Efrost is someone that I know that they're looking to, but it has not been good since trading away the likes of Ryan Tepera, Craig Kimbrell, Andrew Chaffin, and company, so I do take a look at the spot. I wound up saying the Reds on the money line, right around a minus 146 favorite. We don't have run lines because we don't know a total right now, but I'd be willing to take it as long as I'm getting north of a plus 120, and when it comes to the total, 7.5 or lower, taking a look at the over, 8 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under. 9-9, nine 9-10 nine, nine, on the banging board. The Philadelphia Phillies sit there face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Freddie Peralta is going to be going for the Brew group. Kyle Gibson is going to on the bump for the Phillies. Your total on this game is 8. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105 with the Brewers. And between minus 160 and minus 170 is your price. If you're looking at the Phillies, you're going to be getting them between plus 148 and plus 153 with the Phillies. I do feel like they should be a pretty sizable underdog in this spot. I wound up saying them as a plus 161 because with Kyle Gibson, he's just been not necessarily the same when he's been away from Philadelphia along with Arlington. Meanwhile, you take a look at Freddie Peralta and his first start coming off the injured list. I will say, not great against the St. Louis Cardinals. Wound up giving up four runs over the course of two innings, so that is something that is not what you're looking for out of him, but with that said, he still ranks in the top five among qualifying pitchers when it comes to strikeouts per nine rate, a 2.70 ERA overall, and at home, a 2.47 ERA has been very good when it comes to being able to limit things at Miller Park, or it's now... American family park or whatever that it kid is. It's still Miller park to me. Gosh, darn it. But six over, I given up at 69 and a third innings and opponents are a a buck 31 off of them in Milwaukee. Meanwhile, for Kyle Gibson, you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road so far this year. 423 ERA. Meanwhile, it starts in Arlington along Philadelphia. A 224 in 14 starts. Has only allowed seven home runs and 83 innings on the road, but opponents are going at 253 off of him, And his walk for nine rate. Balloons right around about a 3.7. So, that is a little bit of an issue. You take a look at this Milwaukee Brewers team, man. The offense has been sputtering a little bit. You can tell that Willie Adamas has been dealing with some injuries. He has been in and out of the fold, but you have been able to get quite a bit of something out of quite a few of the middle of the road hitters, Lorenzo Cain Luis Urias along with Christian Yelich Eduardo Escobar. Only between about a 255 to a 245 and then with Urias he has been able to go deep 19 times. Yelich ever since the beginning of the month of August. He's hitting about a 300. Eduardo Escobar just came off the injured list. He's got 24 home runs so far this year. Obviously Garcia. He's hitting right around 270. He's been able to supply 24 bombs as well. And then Colton Wong at the leadoff spot. Sitting at 280. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies. How about Bryce Harper? 411 on base. 28 home runs. This is a guy that has really been able to heat up. There's a reason why he is getting some love when it comes to the MVP race because you take a look at what he was able to do in the month of July and August. A combined about 335 batting average in those two months. He was able to slug out 10 bombs in the month of August as well, so he has been able to get it going in a big way. Gene Segura he's hitting right around a 295 former Milwaukee Brewers. So a little bit of incentive there. Andrew McCutcheon only getting a 225 along with Brad Miller, but for McCutcheon he does have right around a 340 on base. And he's been able to go deep 24 times so far this year. JT Rimuto sitting hitting a You've got Ronald Torres hitting about a 255 as well, but the big thing with the Phillies is their bullpen. Aniel De Los Santos is not necessarily reliable. Archie Bradley wound up having a good start to the year. Past two weeks or so, it has really sputtered on him. Hector Neris is someone I have no faith in. Meanwhile, at the Brewers, you've got Devin Williams, Josh Hader able to come out. Now, I recognize that Brad Boxberger got tattooed earlier in the series, but you've even been able to have Jake Cousins Come in with his ERA hovering right around buck fifty yesterday. So I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to get to Kyle Gibson. You're looking at the run line at right around a plus one twenty. Might be able to find a plus one twenty five, might be seeing more like a plus one fifteen, but with the Milwaukee Brewers, I was willing to take this run line as long as I was getting anything above about a plus one fifteen. So I'm going to take a shot here. Also, did wind up saying this all at seven point four. I think the Peralta is going to look better in this start, so going to be taking the under along that Brewers run line. 912 on the bank where the L.A. Dodgers hit the road to face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. We know Adam Wainwright is going to be going for the Cards. To be determined, is going to be on the bump for the L.A. Dodgers. Now, this is one in which it's going to be a little bit dictated on what winds up happening with the L.A. Dodgers with regards to another by game that they wind up throwing out there on Tuesday. That's where the Dodgers are at at this point. But I do think that you are going to be able to get a very good start out of Adam Wainwright. Fourteen and seven so far this year for the ageless forty year old Wonder and Adam Wainwright, and he's done his best work in St. Louis at two fifty eight home year, sixteen starts, he's given up nine home runs in hundred and eight innings. His walks per nine rate is right around about a one point seven and opponent's running a two fourteen off of him. And his strikeouts per nine is still right around like an eight point two whenever he's in St. Louis. So certainly has been able to do the job, Now I will say this for the Dodgers. Going into yesterday, they had played just two out of their last 20 games over the total, so this has been an under team over the last 30 days. They have the best bullpen area in the big leagues. I won't be surprised if you wind up seeing this piecemeal together with, like, Corey Knebel giving you two innings. They have nifted Ellie Felice on their roster. I have no idea what you're going to be able to get out of him, but Phil Bickford, he has been pitching pretty much every single day for the team, so I won't be surprised if he winds up blending a little bit of something, but what you do know with the L.A. Dodgers is that you are going to get a whole lot of firepower when it comes to this lineup. You just take a look up and down it. You wind up having pretty much one guy in the starting lineup That was sitting below a 265. Now, you actually did have two guys because you do have Steven Sosa Jr. wound up getting a little bit of an unexpected start yesterday. He was in place of Mookie Betts. But Cody Bellinger has really been the guy in the starting lineup that has been hitting below 250 all year long. And when that's your worst bet, you know what? Things are going pretty well for you because you've got Trey Turner down for what? Justin Turner down for what? Chris Taylor, Mookie Betts, Max Muncie, Will Smith, along with A.J. Pollock all being able to give you at least 16 home runs. Pretty much all these guys are in at least at 255 as well, so it has been pretty impressive. Corey Seager sitting at 280 for this bunch. And you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, and you've just got a whole bunch of guys that are in between about a 250 to a 270. Tommy Edmond, and Carlson, Lars Newtbar. Nolan Arenado, you're able to throw in there Yadier Molina, Harrison Bader, so got a lot of like-minded bets with Arenado. He has been able to do a good job of being able to supply the boom, 29 home runs. He's approaching 90 RBI, Tyler O'Neill, He has been able to go deep 23 times, and for Ball Goldschmidt, he was out of the fold yesterday. You do want to note this, because ever since the beginning of the month of July, hitting north of a 325, he wound up slugging out, I believe it was something like 9 or 10 home runs in the month of August, so he's been playing his best baseball recently, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, their bullpen has not been playing their best baseball recently, and Now, TJ McFarlane has been able to give you some good innings out of the bullpen along with Luis Garcia, but you take a look at Genesis Cabrera, who has been one of the more trustworthy guys ever since the beginning of the month of July. This is someone with an ERA that hovers right around a 7. You've had... Certainly, Alex Reyes regrets a little bit as well. So, this is a situation in which, with having Adam Wainwright going, I'll probably be setting the St. Louis Cardinals as a very slight underdog just because the LA Dodgers do have a little bit more when it comes to bullpen and they do have a better lineup, but I would probably anticipate this being Dodgers minus 120-ish if you wind up getting a little bit of a bullpen game slash an opener de jour out of someone like maybe a Mitch White if he doesn't wind up pitching on Tuesday. But check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's 41. One and a seven and a half or lower will trigger and over and an eight or higher will trigger an under, but obviously a little bit of subject to change there. 913-914 on the bang board. We got the Seattle Mariners hit the road face off against the Houston Astros. Jose Otakidi is gonna be going for the Astros. Tyler Anderson is going to be on the bump for Seattle. Mariners find themselves as a big giant underdog of anywhere between plus 166 and plus 178. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Astros, anywhere between minus 181 and minus $2 is your price. Nine is your total. Unders minus 115, and the over is minus 105. For Anderson, he's been relatively solid ever since coming over to the Seattle Mariners. A little bit of caution, though. I believe that he's made six starts with the team, and half of them have come against the Texas Rangers, so that is a little bit of an issue, but you do take a look at Anderson. He's given up right around 1.5 Two home runs per 9 innings, but his walks per 9 rate is a microscopic 0.9, so he certainly has been able to do the job there. He's given up 3 runs or fewer in every one of his starts with the Seattle Mariners, and the team has formed one in his last 5 starts. Once again, a couple of those came against the Texas Rangers, one of those wound up coming up against the poopy Arizona Diamondbacks, so that is a little bit of an issue, but certainly he's come in, and he's been able to hold down the fort for this team. Meanwhile, you take a look at Jose Urikidi, and throughout his career, he's just been very good at home. You take a look at his strikeouts to walk rate at home compared to on the road. On the road, it's barely above 2. At home, it's hovering between a 9 and a 10. And you just take a look at what he's done this year at home. A 292 home ERA, a 383 road ERA, and 7 starts at home. Has given up 6 home runs over the course of 37 innings, but opponents are in a puck 93 off of him compared to a 237 on the road. And he's given up 3 walks and 37 innings in Houston. And the Astros are backing him up with a relatively solid bullpen. Kendall Grayman is coming. He's been able to hold down the 4 for the seam. Christian Javier is a little bit of a do-it-all reliever for the team with right around 3 3 ERA, Ryan Presley, he's got a sub 2 ERA. Blake Taylor has been able to give you some good innings. And then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. Casey Sadler has a sub 2 ERA. Drew's second rider has been incredible for the team. Eric Swanson has right around a 240 ERA. So you do have quite a few guys coming through there. Then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners and you've got two measures on this team. Mitch Haniger, Kyle Seeger. Both of these guys have been able to give you at least 30 home runs so far this year. Ever since coming over from the Astros, Abraham Toro sitting right around 300. Ty France hitting a 290. JP Crawford sitting at 265. But you then have Jorge Mama Along Louis Torrance, Tom Murphy, Dylan Moore. Jake Bowers, you're able to throw in there. Mr. Seager, I mentioned a little bit earlier, all in a 230 or lower. so That is an issue, especially when you're facing up against a Houston Astros team in which you've got four guys that have at least 22 runs in front of this year. Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, and Jordan Alvarez. With Alvarez, along with Jose Altuve, you're able to throw in there. Alex Bregman, Yoli Gurriel, alamendiz Diaz. list goes on and on. All these guys are in a 275 or greater. As a matter of fact, Everyone other than Muller, Team Maldonado in the starting lineup yesterday, inning at least at 256 for this bunch. So that certainly is pretty fearsome. But I do think that Anderson is being a little bit undervalued in this spot. I did wind up setting the Seattle Mariners as an underdog, but only right around a plus 155. So I'm going to be taking a shot here on the Seattle Mariners. Did wind up setting the solo at 8.8 as well. Urakiti typically performs a little bit better at home, so taking the under along with the Seattle Mariners. 9-15-9-16 on the bagging board. The Minnesota Twins at the road face off against the Cleveland Indians. Today, Tim McKenzie is going to be going for the Indians. Meanwhile, Joe Ryan is going to be on the bump for the Twins. The Twins are finding themselves anywhere between plus 110 and plus 125 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you taking a look at the Indians, it's anywhere between minus 125 and minus 145. Nine to nine and a half is your total on the nine and a half. Unders anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. offers anywhere between even a plus 105 on the nine. You're finding the over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even a minus 110. For Tristan McKenzie, this guy has been lights out recently for the Cleveland Indians. And we got a guy, Mr. Ryan, that he was very good at the minor league level. He was getting north of 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. His ERA was very solid as well. A sub-3 ERA there. He wound up in his first start, not necessarily looking great, but not necessarily looking terrible against the Cubs. Wound up giving up 3 runs over the course of 5 innings. I think that he's going to be relatively solid at the big league level. This is a guy with some electrifying stuff. Does wind up giving up the deep ball a little bit, but I do think that they're in good hands there, but I think that he's going to be a little bit outmatched by Tristan McKenzie because you take a look at what he's been able to do. He has given up a combined seven runs in his last five starts. Now, he wound up having a very rocky start to the year. In his first 11 appearances, he was giving up north of seven walks per nine innings. That has really shrunk as he has given up a combined three walks now in his last five starts. And in his last five starts, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around eighty, so he certainly has been able to come through with that regard and he was actually going for a no-hit slash a perfect game bid against the Detroit Tigers a few weeks ago and he's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen. Emmanuel A is someone who's got an ERA that is sub 2. Mike Parker has been able to come in. He's got right around a 2.6 ERA. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Brian Shaw as well. Now having Nick Sandlin on the injured list certainly does hurt the scene but it's a heck of a lot better than what you're trotting out there with the Minnesota Twins. Alex Calme and Ore Alcala have been up and down all your long. Luke Farrell off the injured list. He and Ralph Garza Jr., I feel like are a little bit under the radar guys for the team. And then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and you have been able to get some power out of a few of these guys. You've got someone like a Josh Donaldson who has been able to hit about a 250, 21 home runs going into yesterday. Ore Palanco, he has been able to do a nice job. He's hitting above a 280 now. He's been able to supply 27 home runs, but got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up when it comes to the batting average. Brent Rooker, along with Max Kepler, Jake Cave, Miguel DeSano, Ben Roetfitt and Dalton Simmons. All these guys hitting at 225 or lower. Though I will say personnel, he's got right around 340 on base ever since the beginning of the month of July, and he has been able to pound out 24 home runs of his own. Then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians and Jose Ramirez north of 30 home runs, and you've got Framio Reyes, who's been able to pound out 27 of them. Both of these guys are hitting between about a 255 to a 265. Harold Ramirez and Miles Straw are both hitting in the neighborhood about a 270. They did wind up having Amit Rosario out the fold yesterday, but he's been able to hit right around 290. You've got a couple guys that they do need to Pick it up. Austin Edges, Owen Miller, these guys have been hitting below the Mendoza line. Andres Jimenez, Chang, are more around a 210 to a 220, but I do think that the Cleveland Indians are going to be able to back up a white autress Tristan McKenzie with a very good bullpen. So in this spot, I did end up making the Cleveland Indians a pretty sizable favorite, right around about a minus 148-ish. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Cleveland Indians, you're able to find that anywhere between about a plus 140 to a plus 145, which I actually think is the best value. I was willing to take this at anything above a plus 130, so I'm going to be taking a shot here on the run line of the Cleveland Indians. Also want to make this total 8.8, so we're going to be taking the under, and I'm going to be taking a shot here on the Windians. 917-918 on the banging board. The Kansas City Royals hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Royals. Matt RV is going to be Going for the Royals. Meanwhile, Mike Miner hopes to not be a major disappointment for the Kansas City Royals. Currently, the only place I'm seeing a number up on this game is DraftKings. They've got the Royals at minus 135, plus 115 on the Orioles. Nine and a half is your total. Over is minus 115 on the juice, and the under is minus 105. If we're getting these numbers, I'm going to be taking a shot here on the Royals along with this total over. Set the total at 10.1. So even at a 10, I'd be taking a look at the over. I would need a 10 and a half to even consider the under, and I made the Royals a minus 153 favorite. Now with Matt Harvey, he has been able to. Do a better job of pitching ever since the all-star break. He's got an ERA that is hovering right around about a 3.8-ish ever since the all-star break, so he certainly has been able to do a much better job rather than pretty all-star break where his ERA was hovering right around a 7.5. He was just getting shellacked on a night-in-and-night-out basis, but you do take a look at Mike Miner. 5.25 ERA is not great, but he's actually relatively consistent home to road. 5.18 home ERA, 5.32 road ERA. He's given up 13 home runs both home and road. He's pitched fewer innings when it comes to road and a are you 2.55 off of them on the road. 252 at home. So you know what you're going to be able to expect there. You take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and they were able to take you to the Kansas City Royals yesterday. This is a team that they are able to hit. Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Boom Mancini. All these guys have been able to give you north of 22 home runs so far this year. You take a look at what you've been able to get out of Mancini along with Ryan Mountcastle, Osaday's, Ore Mateo. These guys are in between about a two. 50 to a 265, so maybe they will do a solid job. You got Anthony Santander, along Pedro Severino in between about a 233 to a 245, and then Ramon Odias, whenever he's been out there, in right around 275. Now, I will say, you've got DJ Turn It Up, Stewart, who has not been turning it up, Awesome Wins, Jemai Jones, Kelvin Gutierrez, the list goes on and on of guys. They're in a 220 or lower, and then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals and you got a guy in Salvador Perez that is all of a sudden in the chase for most home runs in the league, and he entered into yesterday, tied for the league lead in RBI, 41 bombs, 103 RBI. He's hitting a two seventy five along with Merrifield, and Merrifield has been in the top three when it comes to stolen bases as well. Nicky Lopez is hitting a two they They've got Ed Alberto Mondesi finally back out there on the field. That is big. He is a guy that I think is going to be contributing for the team in future years. Now, you do have a guy in Ed Olivera that needs to pick it up. He, Hunter Dozier, both of these guys right around 2.05, but you'll know, be able to get a little bit of something out of Anser Alberto and Andrew Benetendi, both hitting right around 2.50. And then when you take a look at these bullpens, the Baltimore Orioles, really, other than Cole Solzer, it has been not necessarily great for the team to say the least, as Tanner Scott certainly has his walks issues. You've not been able to get much of anything out of someone like a Fernando Abadi. He has been very bad with a north of 7 ERA. Manny Baudeta is someone that they're looking to for innings along with Mike Bowman, so that's not what you want. Meanwhile with the Kansas City Royals, Jake Brents and Scott Scott Barlow have been able to do a very solid job for this team. Both of these guys have south of 3-5 ERAs. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Joel Payampas. He's got right around a two seven five ERA. Domingo Tapia, Josh Chamount, they've been able to come in, and they've been able to hold down the fourth cell. This is a situation which we're going to be probably taking a look at the over. Anything below a 10.5 is going to be a take on the over and one to lay up to a minus 153 here with the Royals. 919-920 on the bang board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing against the Toronto Blue Jays in my New York Post play today. Louis Iale is going to be going for the Yankees. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Blue Jays. Total on this game is 10 over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 with the Yankees. They're anywhere between minus 109 and minus 125. So we're seeing quite a range here. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Jays, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 101, as good as a plus 106. And this is the spot in which I want to make in the New York Yankees a New York post play today. I'm going to lay up to about a minus 138 in this spot when it comes to the New York Yankees. I did wind up saying this only 8.7 because I do think that you've got A pair of guys that are young, up and comers that are going to be able to deliver a relatively solid start. And for Mr. Luis Eel, I do recognize that his first three starts of his Elmo B career. Did not wind up coming up against the world's greatest competition, but the guys went 15 and two-thirds innings, and he has yet to allow a run. This is someone that at the minor league level had more like a 3.8-ish ERA, so he wasn't necessarily quite as effective, but he does a good job of being able to get swings and misses. Walks are a little bit of an issue. He had well north of three walks per nine innings at the minor league level, but Alec Manoa, he's someone that can sometimes have a little bit of a walks issue as well. He gives up right around 3.2 to 3.3 per nine innings, and you take a look at his last four starts, and things are starting to sour on him a little bit, the team is 3-1 and one in this time span, but he's got right around a 6-ish ERA. He has given up a grand total of 6 walks over the course of his last 3 starts as well. The strikeout numbers are starting to fall 5 or fewer in 3 out of his last 4 starts. And he just hasn't been the same whenever he's had to be the official road pitcher, because as we know, Toronto has been a very interesting situation. But away from Toronto-slash-Buffalo, a 428 ERA in 8 starts. He has given up 6 home runs over the course of 40 innings, and opponents are getting a 213 off of him compared to a buck 90 whenever he's out there in his friendly confines. And you do have a New York Yankees team that you've got quite a few mashers: Giancarlo San, Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge. All are able to give you at least twenty-six home runs, and all three of these guys are doing a good job of being able to reach base. All three of these guys have been able to give you north of a three-fifty on-base. Then you've got a trio of guys that are in between, I would say, about a 255 to maybe even as high as a 270 by night's end And DJ LeMay along Luke Voight and Gio Rochelle. Now, Brent Gardner, Kyla Gashioka, you're able to throw in there. Andrew Velasquez along Gary Sanchez. Got a couple guys just not holding up their end of the bargain when it comes to batting average. All these guys are in a 225 or lower other than Velasquez, who just doesn't walk at all as well. And then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, and you certainly do have a lot of matches on this team, as you've got a guy in George Springer. Has been in and out of the fold for this team, but whenever he's been out there, he's really been a guy in the top 5 when it comes to home runs per at-bat and batting average. When it comes to the second half of the season, Flaggero Jr., 3.20 batting average. He and Marcus Simeon, both have been able to supply for you between 37 and 40 home runs going into the game on Tuesday. Boba Shet, Hernandez, both of these guys hitting north of a 2.85. Both of these guys north of 20 home runs so far this year. Lourdes Goriel sitting a 2.75. Randall Gritchick has seen a little bit of a dip in his batting average, but north of 20 home runs for him as well. But you do take Take a look at the Yankees' bullpen as well. I do recognize that Jonathan Loizaga is currently dealing with some injury, but you've been able to have, really, a top-six bullpen when it comes to ERA all season long. Lucas Lutke has been able to give you some good headings. He's got a sub-three ERA, Wandy Peralta, ever since the beginning of the month of July. He's really been able to rein it in as well. You've got Aroldis Chamin, who's starting to look a little bit more like his normal self. And then, for the Toronto Blue Jays, Adam Simber has been a little bit up and down for the team. Looked very good when they acquired him. He's been a little bit more shaky recently. Trevor Richards is someone that now is right around a 3-5-ish ERA. Taylor Sassito, he has his ups and downs. Tim Able to rein it in a little bit more recently, but it was so bad that they had to wind up DFAing Brad Hand as well. So you certainly have a lot going on there. Wound up saying the Yankees as right around about a minus 136 to a minus 138 favorite, and they are my New York Post play on the money line. And this is a spot in which I wound up saying the soul that. Right around an eight point seven as well. So going under along with the Yankees as a New York Post play of the day nine twenty one nine twenty two on the main board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing against Tampa Bay Rays. Shane McClanahan is going to be going for the Rays. Meanwhile, Nathan Eovaldi is going to be on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox are finding themselves as very slight favorites. They are anywhere between a minus 108 to a minus 115. When I was chatting with Jason, this was pretty much a pick 'em across across board, so clearly the money is coming in on Boston. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 110, as good as a plus 105, 9.5 to 10 is your total. DraftKings has a 10, under is minus 135, and the over is plus 115 on the 9.5. The over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. I wound up saying it at an 8.7 because... I do take a look at both of these guys. And both of these guys are slinging it really well. With McLane, he has given up three runs or fewer in 11 out of his last 12 starts. And then you take a look at the way that the deep ball has really been less whenever Nathan Eovaldi is out there in Fenway Field. And it is absolutely amazing. Nathan Eovaldi in Boston so far this year. 308 ERA. He's giving up 5 home runs in 99 in the 3rd innings. He's getting a little bit over 9 strikeouts per 9 innings. On the road, he's giving you a little bit more swing and miss, but opponents throwing a 235 off of a MF Fedway, 282 on the road, and then on the road, he's giving up more like 1.4, 1.5-ish home runs per 9 innings as well, so that has been very noteworthy and for Ivaldi, right around 1.5 walks per 9 innings at home as well. Then you take a look at Mr. McLean, and he's been able to do a great job of being able to lessen the deep ball as well, giving up just 1 home run over the course of his last 4 starts, and he's been able to do a good job Job of be able to reduce the walks as well. Six walks in his last five starts. You take a look at the Sampa Bay race team, and they did a good job of be able to take it to the Boston Red Sox yesterday. And as we know, the Red Sox are dealing with COVID 19. So Matt Barnes, Hiro Casasar, Mora out of the bullpen, they have been out of the fold. You've been dealing with Xander Bogarts being out of it. They did wind up picking up Jose Iglesias, who was mentioned by Jason Radowitz. That's good because he, Christian Vasquez, Kike Hernandez who just wound up coming back for the Seam Hunter Renfro, in between about a 255 to even as high as a 270 for Renfro. Renfro has been able to give you 26 home runs. You've got Kyle Schwarber in that pocket as well. He's got right around 29 to 30 home runs as well. So you've been able to have a little bit of something there. Alex Verdugo, he's in a 285 along with J.D. Martinez and then Rafael Devers wound up entering into yesterday. One of just three men in the major leagues with at least 100 RBI, 33 home runs. So that has been rocks all but for the Rays, they've got Wander Franco, who up entering into yesterday with a 36-game on base streak. You've got a pair of guys in Nelson Cruz, Mike Zanino, with between 28 and 29 home runs, north of 30 bombs for Brandon Lau, and then you've been able to have quite a bit of something out of someone in Austin Meadows as well, who's been able to give you 24 home runs. With Meadows along with Lau, both of these guys, in between about a 232-240, but they also have on-base percentages that are north of a 325 Randy Andy he's He's been able to go deep 19 times. He's got a 355 on on base, and that's just what this team does. You even take a look at someone like a Jordan Luplo, he's hitting very poorly with a buck 94, but a 333 on base. Yandy Diaz, 258 batting average, 360 on base. And we all know that the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen is going to be locked and loaded. They've got JP Fire Eisen and Pete Fairbanks now off the injured list. JT Chargois, since getting picked up from the Seattle Mariners, he's got right around a 1 ERA. Even someone like a Lewis Head has been able to give you right around a 3 ERA. I mean, this team is just completely stockpiled with guards, bullpen pieces. Meanwhile, with the Red Sox, with Dion with COVID-19, and so Robles having an Earth of 5 ERA ever since being picked up by the team from the LA Angels, even someone like a Steven Gonsalves. These guys have not been able to get the job done. So this is a situation in which I did wind up setting the Tampa Bay Rays as a very sizable favorite. I disagreed with the total. Wound up taking that under but with the race, wound up setting them more around a minus 108-ish favorite. So I like the fact that the money is coming in on the Red Sox. So we're going to be taking the race, and I'm going to be taking this total under. 923-924 on the banking board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing on the Chicago White Sox. Dallas Keuchel is going to be going for the White Sox. Frankie Montas is going to be on the bump for the Oakland A's. The A's are finding themselves in repeat minus 145. Five and minus one sixty-five favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the South Siders, anywhere team plus one thirty-four and plus one forty-four. half to nine is your total on the eight and a half overs. Anywhere between minus one fifteen and minus one twenty-five. The is anywhere between minus one hundred five and plus one hundred five. On the nine, unders anywhere between minus one ten and minus one twenty. Overs between even a minus one ten for Montas. He has been able to do a relatively steady job for this team all season long. Montas is not a guy that's going to go out there and is typically going to give you like. 8 shutout innings or anything like that. He'll give you that from time to time, but this is really just more of a steadying force sort of guy. He's been able to do a good job all year long of being able to lessen the deep ball. He's given up right around 1 home run per 9 innings. You take a look at him at home, 368 ERA. You take a look at him on the road, 368 ERA. So, He's been very even Stevens when it comes to that regard. Getting a little bit more swing and miss at home. And he's a guy that his walks per 9 innings whenever he's at home, it's already right around 2.3. So you're able to live with that. Dallas Keiko, meanwhile, this guy has been relatively solid throughout his career. As we know, he wanted winning in American League Cy Young. But this guy has been getting absolutely tattooed ever since the beginning of the month of August. You go back to the beginning of the month of August, he's got a north of 8 ERA, and he is starting to give up the deep ball as well. He did wind up giving up only a few home runs recently, but overall this season. His home runs per 9 rate that is hovering right around about a 1.7. You take a look at what he's been able to do away from Chicago and it's not great. 589 ERA compared to a 462 home ERA. 3-6 record away from Chicago as well and away from Chicago. Opponents are getting at 293 off of him so that has certainly been an issue. He's backed up by a bullpen that's relatively solid but it certainly does have some chips in it as well as you take a look at guys like Liam Hendricks. A guy like a Craig Kimbrell. These guys have just not been able to figure it out recently. They wound up giving Jimmy Lambert the start yesterday, so they had to dive into it quite a bit yesterday. Ryan Jepera, Jose Ruiz, these guys have been relatively solid, and I will say this for the Oakland A's. Lou Trevino has been just ungodly awful the last couple weeks, and it has been very sad to see that A.J. Puck has had his ups and downs, but Jake Diekman, Andrew Chafin, these guys have been reliable for you. Sergio Romo's had his ups and downs, but ever since the beginning of the month of June, a sub-2-5 ERA in his own right, and then you take a look at both of these lineups, and you've got a pair of teams that are able to do a pretty solid job of being able to hit. You take a look at this Oakland A's bunch, and it's certainly has been a bunch of guys just doing a good job of being a reach base for you. As you've got the Marte Partey of Sterling Marte, Matt Olson, you're able to throw in there Josh Harrison, even a guy like a Mark Canna, Tony Kemp, all these guys north of a 355 on base for you. And you've got a lot of like-minded bats as well. Matt Olson has certainly been able to lead the way. 32 home runs for the team. And Matt Chapman has really been able to get hot. Ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's been able to slug out 10 home runs. His batting average has been able to be more around about a .250 and his on-base percentage is hovering right around 375 in that neighborhood as well, so that has been very solid and then you just take a look at these guys Sean Murphy, Seth Brown you're able to throw into this mix, someone like a Marcano I was mentioning a little bit earlier all between 14 and 16 home runs, Ramon Laureano was in there as well, but he's out due to the PDs. then you take a look at this Chicago White Sox lineup, and you got a guy, Luis Robert that entered in yesterday, hitting a 341 now, Tim Anderson being on the injured list, hurts his team, but you've got a quadrant of guys Lurie Garcia, Yohan Moncada, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, all entering into yesterday, hitting between a 250 55 and a 267. And for Abreu, he entered yesterday tied for the League League with 103 RBI, 28 home runs, 10 of them on coming in the month of August, so he's been able to get odd. Yasmani Grandal has one of the weirdest splits you're ever going to see. He's getting a home run every about 11 or so at bats. He's hitting a 227. He's got north of a 400 on base. So, I don't necessarily know how that's working out, but at the same time, I do think that Dallas Keuchel is going to get lit up in this spot, and I think that Frankie Montas is going to be relatively reliable in this spot for the Oakland A's, but with that said, if you're giving me north of a plus 140 with this White Sox lineup, I'm going to take a shot here. So I am going to take this plus price when it comes to Chicago. With this total, I wound up setting it at a 9.2 as well just because I do think that Keiko gives up some runs and I think that Montas is probably going to go like 5-6 innings give up three runs in his own right. So we're going to be taking the over and I'm going to be going with the White Sox. 925, 926 on the bang board. The Texas Rangers at the red off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Luke Weaver is going to be going for the D-backs. Koji Iahara is going to be going for the Texas Rangers. 8.5 is your total. Over is between, minus 115, minus 120. Under is between, even a minus 105. Seeing a straight nine out there. Under is minus 120 and the over is even with the Arizona Diamondbacks. This has got to be the biggest favorite that they've been since dinosaurs roamed the earth as They are anywhere between a minus 149 and a minus 163 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price here with the Texas Rangers, it is anywhere between a plus 130 and a plus 140 prior to their last two games against the LA Angels in which they were able to take it to LA. This is a Texas Rangers bunch that had the worst road record in the big leagues. That's saying something after what we wound up seeing the first half of the season from the Colorado Rockies and Coach Iahara. Well, he has not been good so far this year. Only a 2-3 record, but a 6 one ERA. This is going to be his second start since the beginning of the month of May. In his first start, wound up going three and a third innings, gave up one run against the Colorado Rockies. Certainly a small sample size there. Prior to going on the injured list, he had given up at least five runs in his last three starts, and he went three and two-thirds innings or fewer in every one of them. So you've got to figure that the Texas Rangers bullpen is going to be on call after they wound up starting Spencer Howard yesterday. They are already a little bit taxed. You've been able to get quite a bit of something out of guys like Brett Martin along Spencer Patton. And this is actually about a league average bullpen and Joe Barlow, a sub-2 ERA. So you've got a couple guys who are able to come through for you, but Wes Benjamin, Jarrell Kahn, Demarcus Evans, more of the long guys, well, they have been long for giving up runs because they do a good job of that. And for the years of the Diamondbacks, their bullpen is full of guys that were failed starters that are now in the bullpen themselves. You've got guys like a Jake Faria coming out of the bullpen. You've been looking to Caleb Smith for some innings as well. J.B. Wendelkin is a guy that they picked up off the fiery heap. You've got Brett guys He's got a 740 ERA. And then you take a look at both of these lineups and a lack of firepower is clearly there for the Texas Rangers. Everything right around 3.4 to 3.5 runs per game ever since the All-Star break. You've had Adolis Garcia do a solid job of be able to go yard for you, but he's been missing the last couple days for this team, so your top guy with yards home runs, if he's out once again, that would be Nate Lowe. He's got 14 bombs for this team, and I will say, DJ turned it up, Peters, 9 home runs for the team in his last 35 games, so he's been able to pick it up a little bit, but he, along with Jonah Heim, you're able to throw in there someone like a Jason Martin, Leo D. Tavares, all these guys are in a 2.05 or lower. And I will say, you've got Yoni Hernandez. He's hitting about a 2.70 for this bunch. Charlie Culverson is hitting a 2.50, but Brock Colt was a big giant buster Rooney for this team. Let you take a look at the on the Diamondbacks and You've got nobody on the active roster right now, north of 12 home runs. Joshua Ross, Pavin Smith, you're able to throw in there as well. Keitel Marte of the Marte Parte. they have got between 10 and 11 home runs. Carson Kelly has 11 bombs as well, but these guys have not necessarily been able to get the job done. You do have a couple guys that are doing a decent job of being able to reach base for you, and uh, them are the guys that just wanted Mentioning Kelly along with Josh Roas, Paven Smith, David Peralta, lying between about a 250 to a 270, and then there's a big giant drop off from there. But when you take a look at Luke Weaver, when he's right, this is a guy that's actually able to be a relatively solid starter. Now, he has been banged up throughout the last few years. You take a look at his last start, it was his first start since the month of May for him. Gave up one run over the course of six innings. Very encouraging. When this guy is fully healthy, he is able to be very, very good. I don't know if he's necessarily fully healthy, though, so... I do want to throw in there a little bit of caution, but with that said, he's also going up against a guy, Koji Iohara, and a Texas Rangers bullpen that is terrible on the road as well, so it's a classic something's got to give situation. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Arizona Diamondbacks, I'm finding that right around a plus 130. I was willing to take it as long as it was north of a plus 120, so we're going to be taking a shot there, and I wound up setting this total at nine, so I'm going to be taking one of these eight naps over, and I'm going to be taking the run line of the Arizona Diamondbacks, 927, 928 on the banking board. The Pittsburgh Bears are going to be playing on the City Detroit Tigers. Matt Manning is going to be going for the Tigres. Mitch Keller is going to be on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates are finding themselves anywhere between as bad as a minus 118 to as good as a minus 105. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Tigers, you're finding them as bad as a minus 115 and as good as a plus 109. So, some relative moving numbers there. Total on this game is 9. Overs between minus 110, minus 115. anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And for Manning, you can tell that he has been a significantly better pitcher at home than he has been on the road. And for Mitch Keller, you got to give him a little bit of credit because this is a guy that has been very erratic. I think that we may recall the no-hit streak that he wound up having in back-to-back games, but across something like 11 innings, he had like 10 walks in that span. So he does a good job of being able to limit the contact, but he doesn't do such a great job of command. He's now got his walks per nine rate hovering right around 4.5. So he's been able to rein it in a little bit more there. I mentioned the fact that Manning has not been good on the road. 8-16 8.16 ERA and six road starts as a one and four record. He's given up five home runs in 28 and two thirds innings, and opponents are at 319 off of him. And this is just not a guy that gets swings and misses. His strikeouts per nine rate is right now hovering right around a five. Meanwhile, for Mitch Keller, he's got a strikeouts per nine rate that is more in the neighborhood of about a nine, but he does also have a 6.23 ERA, and at home he has been a hot mess. Eleven starts, two and seven record. 831 ERA. Now, he's only given up five home runs of 43 in a third innings, but his walks per nine rate winds up looting to right around a 5.3. Then you take a look at both of these lineups, and you got a Pittsburgh Pirates team that... They are last in the big leagues when it comes to runs per game, and for the Detroit Tigers, they seem to be going a little bit cold with the bats as well. Jonathan Scope has three home runs over the team's last 40 games, but he's still hitting right around 280. Jamie Candelario has a three fifty five on base along with Robbie Grossman, Grossman along with Eric Haas. Both have between 19 and 22 home runs so far this year, but then you've got a couple slugs out there like Willie Castro, Nico Goodrum. You've not been able to get anything out of Zach Short as well. All these guys are hitting a two twenty five or lower. Derek Hill, though, he is hitting about a two seventy for this bunch. Then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and it's been all about Brian Reynolds. He's been able to give this team 22 home runs. He's hitting a 300, and I do have to give it up to Yoshi Setsugo. Ever since he's been picked up by this team, he's actually been very good. He was a big, giant bust with the Tampa Bay Rays. Did nothing with the LA Dodgers, but going into the game yesterday, this is a guy that wound up being able to supply seven home runs and right around a two hundred eighty-six batting average in 20 games for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, perhaps he's found a little bit of a home, and they need it, because you've got Kevin Newman. You're able to throw in their Mr. Sh- Setsugo for the entirety of the season, Michael Perez, Hoy Park, Anthony Alfer, Cole Tucker all hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. Alcon Moran is hitting about a 280. You would be able to get a little bit of something out of Ben Gamble and Cabrian Ace in between a 245 to a 260 for this bunch as well. And then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen and you do have a couple guys who are able to give you a tab, but it's something for them. You've got Jason Shreve who's been able to do a solid job. David Bernard right around 25 ERA. And for the Detroit Tigers, ever since the All-Star break, a top 7 bullpen ERA. Kyle Funkos at a Bad day on Monday, but by and large he's been very solid. Jose Cicero, a sub three ERA, even at someone like an Alex Lang who's had his ups and downs has looked up a little bit gr- better along with Gregory Soto. So I do take a look at the spot. I do think that you're going to be able to just get a little bit more firepower in general out of the Detroit Tigers. So this is a situation which wanna making them a minus one seventeen favorite. And I made this whole nine point one. So going over along the Detroit Tigers, and we wrap things up with nine twenty nine nine thirty on the main board. The LA Angels are going to be hitting the road face off against the Slam Diego Padres. You dar is going to be going for the pods. Looks like we're going to get some form of an opener slash a bullpen game and or a super duper young starter for the LA Angels. So this is a game that's off the board. We have no earthly idea what the Angels are doing, especially because they wound up starting Packy Naughton yesterday, who I'm going to go out on a limb and say he probably didn't lend much length because I'm doing this before the game wound up finishing up. But you do take a look at the LA Angels. Second fewest runs per game in the American League ever since the All-Star break. Things have went very cold for them. They wound up having... Joey Otani out of the starting fold yesterday, and rightfully so. He's been hitting below the middle line of 200 ever since July 28th. He has got seven home runs in that time span as well, so he told that he needed a day off. As a result for him not being in the starting lineup, you did not have a single LA Angels player in the starting lineup with a double-digit amount of homers. That's something that should not be said, but it was. You also wound up having Luis Rangifo, Jack Mayfield, along Kurt Suzuki, all inning a 220 or lower. Now, typically, you've got out there Max he's sitting more like a 265. You've been able to have Phil Gosselin at 280, but David Fletcher hanging at 285 for the year, but more like at 240 ever since the beginning of the month of August as well. Brandon Marsh has been able to give you a tad bit of something. He wound up getting the day off yesterday as well. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres, and you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Manny Machado along Jay Cronenworth. Both of these guys hitting between a 265 to a 270 a combined 44 home runs. Going into the game yesterday, Fernando Tatis Jr., 37 bombs, 24 stolen bases, 280 batting average, despite the fact that he's missed some time. He has been absolutely amazing. Hitting a home run every about 10 and a half at bats, you've been able to get something out of Will Myers along Trent Grisham, both of these guys. I mean, between about a 265-ish to a 255-ish. Austin Supernova at the catcher spot is sitting right around 270 as well, and you take a look at this Padres bullpen, and they are getting very, very badly taxed over the last 30 days. They rank more on the league average when it comes to bullpen ERA after they were number one in terms of bullpen ERA going into the month of August. So, I will give it up to these guys as well because they've been used for the most innings of any National League bullpen. Even someone like a Craig Salmon. He's been able to give you some good performances night in and night out. Pierce Johnson has been very good for the team. Austin Adams has an ERA that ever right around 3-3. He has been relatively reliable. And then for the LA Angels, we just have no earthly idea who they're going to be trotting out the bullpen because Rossi Iglesias has been tremendous as a closer, but being being able to get the ball to him has been a chore to say the least. Sam Selman has actually given you some halfway decent innings. Jose Quijada is right around a 5-ish ERA. Junior has not been great. Jimmy Ergot, he's somewhat with a 7-11 ERA, so he's always open to giving up runs. Uh, that is a big, giant issue. And with you, Darvish, what else is an issue is that this guy is giving up runs plenty. He wound up coming off the injured list and has promptly been getting absolutely shelled since coming off the injured list. So, and it's not necessarily what you want to see. He has given up at least 4 runs in 4 out of his last Five starts, and he gave up in that time span of four plus runs and four out of his last five starts. It to the LA Dodgers once the Arizona Diamondbacks twice, and the Colorado Rockies at home. So, it's not like he's facing off against good lineups either. So, I mean, I'm going to be setting the Padres here as a sizable favorite, but this could be a situation which I'll be taking it over on like an 8.5 or lower, which is very strange to say in a U-Darvish start out there at Petco, Probably going to be still setting the Padres as right around a $2 favorite. With the Angels, I just have no idea what they're throwing out there. If they do wind up throwing out there someone trustworthy, I'm going to be lowering it a little bit, but check back in the morning my Twitter feed at JarenSquarty1 because I do think that we're going to get quite a few runs out there in San Diego and hopefully we're going to be giving you quite a few runs to the window today as joining me on the podcast in the second segment, we'll end up having Jason Radowitz of SBR, AK Sportsbook Review, so a big thanks to him. If you do like what you're hearing from his fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and engine If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter or the ways, find an Apple podcast review. Rate this podcast five stars. It is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into that five star review comments box. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means we're going to be catching you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.